it again. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm all right. A little sleepy, but I think I can uh, trudge my way through this uh, masterpiece that we're about to unfold here. So there's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> our uh, average podcast length's been about an hour and a half. We've both talked about it. Maybe perhaps bring that number down just a little bit. So hope we got a, a quicker one for you today. Maybe not. And if we don't, you you can choose to hit stop if you really want to. Um, not a lot going on in the NHL. Out of nowhere, Patrick Waugh just up and left like he was pulling himself off the off the ice. After just having reviewed the Canadians, uh, if Michelle Therrien wasn't the worst coach in modern-day hockey, he sure is now because Patrick Waugh has resigned as head coach and VP of Hockey Ops in, in Colorado. Yeah, and if, if Therrien fucks up and gets himself fired and – Bergevin uses him as a scapegoat. He <laughs> might be lucky enough to see Wah hired in there. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of talk of that. I, It wouldn't surprise me if it's a Bergevin hire, but I just I don't see it happening because things went so poorly for Patrick Wah in Colorado. It's entirely possible. You know, the, the, the list of coaches is growing shorter, and, you know, Wah has put Colorado in a position now where they've got to move fast. They've got to find someone to hire. It's just kind of odd that he just decides to up and quit because, from all accounts, the players lo- the players liked him. Players loved pe- playing for Patrick Waugh. and there's a lot of speculation that he just didn't have his hand in as much of the uh, player personnel decisions as he wanted. Uh, one thing in particular, he really wanted he wanted the Avs to go after Alex Radulov, and they just didn't they didn't respond to that request. You know, Waugh's big ego likes to have control. Used to that when he was uh, <clears throat> with the Quebec Ramparts the, of the Q. Uh, other than that, I really don't see a, a reason why he would just walk out. I don't know, man. It's the definition of Patrick Waugh. You know, it, it's, it's his temper, his arrogance, his meltdowns. That's what's firmly established him as one of the NHL's biggest personalities during and after his playing career. Like, we all know how good of, of, of a goalie he was. He was one of the greatest goalies of all time. But it was his personality that derailed him at every major junction in his career. You yep. go back to Montreal. He quit on the and the Canadians. Now he's quit on the Avs. And these are two franchises that, you know, many would argue he got them two Stanley Cups apiece. But yeah. you know, when you when you really dissect it, I mean, these two franchises delivered him two Stanley Cups just as well. And he's walked out on them both. He's quit on. Yeah, and I, I read an article from the Denver Post earlier quoting Joe Sackick and uh, Sackick said, yeah, we, we really ex- respect each other and we're, 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 we've always been friends. We're going to continue to be friends. And I actually plan to go golfing with him in the next week. It's like, man, if I were Joe Sackick and Patrick Wall walked out on me, I don't think I'd be going golfing 10 days later. Yeah. It, it's, it's an oddball situation, but you know, I mean, wall releases the news himself. And I mean, it's just months before the start of the season. It, you know, like I said, he puts Sackick and the Avalanche in a really tough spot. But, you know, how close these two are in proximity throughout their careers, I wouldn't really be shocked if behind closed doors this is something that Sackick wanted and something that Sackick suggested to Waugh a while back. I mean, Waugh's been bagged on for his underlying numbers and the way that the team has produced under his tenure. And you know Joe Sackick is feeling the heat. Because if it's not Waugh, if they get a new head coach, you know, an adequate head coach in, and the results don't turn up, then the next guy, in my opinion, would be Joe Sackick. I mean, he's all along, I felt like Patrick Waugh has had every bit as much to do with the construction of this team as, as Joe Sackick. The fact that he's left because he feel like he didn't, I mean, that doesn't really bode well for Joe, honestly. No. I mean, if Joe can't put together a good team, I mean, that's Joe Sackick's hire. And we all knew what we were going to get in Patrick Waugh. And, you know, fans loved it and the media loved it. His first game, he nearly kills Bruce Boudreau, gets fined $10,000, <laughs> and gets called Bush League by Bruce. You know, it was great. Oh, but it, it comes down to winning and getting the most out of your team. And the, the first season, it was a complete farce, man. It was a complete farce. The, the shooting percentage and the save percentage blew it up. It got him an undeserved Jack Adams award. And... Everybody called it. Everybody knew that it was going to tank, and it did in a big in a big way. And so now he's gone, and now it leaves Joe Sackick 
kind of looking silly. Well, what'll keep him from looking silly is uh, who he hires. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Waz exit makes this team better, like immediately. He's an awful head coach, and the team's going to benefit by his absence. But, you know, like you said, the the higher, the, the next guy is, is pivotal, especially for Joe Sackick. And as far as the players are concerned, I understand, and I actually do believe that they loved playing for him because, like I said, he's a major personality. And what kid on that team didn't grow up appreciating Patrick Waugh? I mean, whether they loved him or hated him. We were Red Wings fans during those days, and we hated him on the ice, but you still loved him. He was a personality, and he was an excellent hockey player. And it it mattered when Patrick Waugh did something or said something. And guys like Matthew Shane that grew up idolizing Patrick Waugh, to be able to play under his, his watch, that must have been phenomenal. So I'm sure they're sad to see him go, but... Nothing beats winning in the National Hockey League. And if they can get a coach in there that gets them wins, I think they'll get over it real fast. Now, the question is, where does that coach come from? Uh, Their AHL affiliate, the San Antonio Rampage, their head coach is Eric Veyu. And he doesn't even have much AHL coaching experience to begin with. So a lot of teams, when they get put in this position, or especially on a tight timetable, like why left the organization with, or you could say allegedly Joe Sackick wanted this and maybe there's, uh, you know, behind door things, but um, it doesn't seem logical that they would promote Eric Veyu with such a limited resume to look at. I mean, do you want to talk about Joe Sackick looking silly? That'd be, that'd, that'd look real silly. Bleacher Report uh, just released an article of uh, 12 names that are potential replacements and some of them are pretty unrealistic. Yeah, I think there's a, a handful that are worthy of, of mentioning, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of coaches that would work out well had their hands not been tied by their respective organizations. And, you know, once again, the timing of it all, you know, yeah. you're asking a lot of AHL coaches or college coaches to leave what they're doing uh, shortly before their season. It's not really fair to, to them or no. their, their franchises to, to jump ship, but, who do you like on that list? There's some that I don't think are going to work out because of uh, contract ties. Like you got Kevin Deneen. He's with Chicago as an assistant, and they love to keep a strong bench. I don't see Chicago letting him walk. You got Paul uh, Paul McLean in Anaheim is actually a pretty a pretty decent uh, name to throw out there because he's he, it was it was rumored that he's pretty peeved that he wasn't given the uh, head coaching job because of the, of his experience, and they elected to bring back, uh, back Randy Carlisle. Uh, so that's one that, yeah, that that's an that's organization where they, they they might actually let Colorado talk to him. Um, you got names on that list like Brent Sutter and Dale Hunter. I mean, those are guys that are so ingrained with their junior teams. They're like part owners and whatever the fuck. Like I I don't see those guys leaving. I don't even know why they're on that list. Yeah, I mean, when when Hunter came over, he he made it very clear he was there in Washington for one season, and that was it. His his life's way too comfy in London. He's got oh, a yeah. good thing going. Absolutely. And the most qualified guy in the list who's coached in Colorado and won a cup before is Bob Hartley. He would certainly be a viable candidate, but he's getting paid for multiple seasons by Calgary just to sit around and do jack shit, you know? Yeah, so Yeah, but, you know, we're talking about underlying numbers and coaches, you know, living by high percentages and then dropping off a cliff like Waugh did with Colorado. That was Bob Hartley with Calgary. Like, yeah, he's in that conversation. Tenure, it was awful. You're not wrong, man. He's definitely in that conversation. A noteworthy name, Mike Keenan. Uh, he's a free agent. He doesn't have a job right now. Uh, he did say earlier this offseason that he would be interested in an NHL return, but didn't know if it was in the cards. He did just recently, like a year and a half ago, he won a, a Gagarin Cup in the KHL with Metallurg. So, I mean, that'd be interesting, but given how, like, cra- he's he's just like a wild, you know, like his uh, his ego is demeanor and how aggressive he is i mean is that really the direction colorado wants to go in i think not i mean i like mike keenan i got time for mike keenan he's he's real interesting and i love him as an analyst he's really interesting to listen to like on any of the sports shows and you know and i don't even was it tsn i think he was on tsn i really don't know if he's going to be making an nhl return if we talk about who's very viable on this list it's probably the AHL guys, like uh, a Travis Green. I mean, his, his name has come up for the past like three years in uh, potential openings. 
yeah. he's he's done a very good job. He's currently with the Utica Comets, who are affiliated with the Canucks, and the Canucks are a shit show right now. But but Green's Green's doing a good job there, and you know, given that the Canucks haven't performed well the past couple seasons, you'd have to think they would be reticent to uh, let him go. Because, they, they, you know, Willie Desjardins took time off last year because of surgery. And they haven't really performed incredibly well with Willie Desjardins. So they don't they don't know what they have there. So I don't think that they would let their top backup option go. Just like uh, the Red Wings with uh, Jeff Blaschel. For years, like, there, there was teams that wanted to talk to Jeff Blaschel. And Ken Holland just said, absolutely not. And I, I kind of think uh, Travis Green would be in that same situation. Along with uh, Todd Nelson in Grand Rapids. You know, a guy that's, you know, kind of stuck in juniors, but the, the belief is that he might be able to get out of it is uh, Steve Conowalchuk. You know, he's familiar with the organization, seems to be moving in the right direction to, to being the bench boss at the NHL level. I just think, like, I'm not sure if there's a, a perfect candidate. There seems to be a lot of good candidates, which is surprising considering, you know, we're at this point in the season and you know, was was left them with little to no time to sign a coach and all the coaches, most of them anyways, have gotten jobs. But um, I think they need a a good transition coach. You know, it's, I'm not sure they they necessarily have to find the guy for the long term. I mean, that would be ideal, but the circumstances are what they are. You might just have to bring in a guy that can transition that team into a different style of play and an actual you know, plan on the ice, which is what Waugh couldn't deliver. No. And the the thing about that is, is like there, there were some transition guys available or guys that could have been long-term answers, but they scooped up, you know, assistant jobs or AHL jobs, you know, and that sucks. Like it speaks to what you said, the timing, the timing just sucks because positions are filled and quality candidates that could have potentially came in or even assistants that would have helped the new guy. They're, they're gone. So the the pool of the the pool of candidates is very short, and I hate to throw this man under the bus. I'm not throwing him under the bus as in denigrate him, uh, because he was thrown under the bus by Edmonton. Uh, the one person on this list that really intrigues me, and he's known to be a brilliant offensive innovator, is uh, Ralph Kruger, the German. Uh, what he did with Edmonton, I think he performed pretty well with Edmonton, and he should have kept his job. He shouldn't have lost his job when he did. And oddly enough, I mean, a multi-sport guy, my man is uh, the chairman of Southampton Football Club. Really weird, but he's a very good coach, and he's still coaching at the international level with great success. And I think uh, off that whole list, he's probably the guy that I would target, as you said, a transition guy, a guy with experience that can come in for a couple years and a year or two years. And perhaps long term, I, mean, I know he's old. I know he's like fifty six or fifty seven. Um, he he's a good offensive mind, and with those those talents they have, but I, I think the probability is probably close to none. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a decent pick. You know, and that's the thing is, you know, you might say Patrick Wall was limited in resources by you know the, the players that the organization selected for him, but he had high end offensive talent on his team and he had a great goalie on his team during you know his whole three years with the, with the avalanche so they, they yep. do need that coach that can unlock the offense and some of these old school guys don't really do it for me but um someone with a different way of looking at things like Kruger would would be interesting and you know I really I don't know something something about Steve kind of Walchuk sounds nice but I'd hate to see him brought into a bad situation because just because Patrick Wall is gone doesn't necessarily mean that that front office has things going the way that they should. So, no, and and at the end of the day, I mean, uh, this this could be Joe Sackick's you know last hitch. <laughs> you know, like is is Joe Sackick really gonna uh, tie the rope to a guy that's coaching in the WHL with no NHL experience? I mean, history would say that no, he he's not going to go that route. And if I were Joe Sackick, I wouldn't go that route, even if you think it might be a good hire. I, I it's not a good idea because it could be your last hire and you might be out of a job. Yeah, well there's not going to be anyone left to blame, you know, if if things continue to go the way that they have. <laughs> dude, to that point, dude, how long did it take them to get rid of Greg Sherman? Oh, no kidding. 
that I, dude I, fucking hung around for decades. Not not literally, but that dude hung around way longer than he should have. Like they just kept moving his title and shifting him around, bringing in like the old old players club and shit. It's like, dude, just get that guy the fuck out of there. Like, why is he hanging around? Yeah, so. we saw a lot of the, the <laughs> same problems in Toronto. You know, the, the oh yeah organization continuing to do the same thing and them not really making any changes as a result. You know, you, you end up with a bad team and a complete rebuild, which is not what Colorado needs to do considering the age of some of these players. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how long some of these organizations take to figure things out. I, I think we've talked about it on this podcast, but, you know, back in 06, 07, the Avs were one of my favorite teams to watch. And Sherman, you know, very quickly picked that team apart and traded away assets. And it's taken all this time to get back to where they're at now, which is the punching bag of the NHL, you know. So at least was gone. At least they're taking one step in the right direction. I know it was on, you know, was time it was his decision at least on the, on the face of it but uh, yeah that was a big step because and that's another thing too is you know when organizations bring in uh legends of their own respective franchise it's not always a good idea and there's you know there's not a great success rate in goaltenders previous goaltenders coming in and, and coaching either like it, it hasn't nope. worked very well historically um but when nope. you bring in a guy that is the face of your organization, you know, historically, and you put these great expectations on him, you know, the fan base is going to get around him. And even people that aren't fans of the abs or Patrick Wall are going to get behind it. You know, it's, it's like Adam Oates in Washington. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many examples of this and then so many examples of it going poorly. Uh, Steve Eiserman had he stuck with Detroit, so had he moved directly into Ken Holland's position, it would have put a whole different type of pressure on him. And I think he chose wisely by going to Tampa Bay because he didn't have his own fan base judging him and criticizing him and, you know, being disappointed by him. And No, and he was set up for long-term success better with Tampa anyway. Oh, for sure. And Patrick Waugh was just kind of set up for failure in my opinion, and Joe Sackick as well. There's too much expected of these guys to get this turned around. and You know, frankly, they just might not be the right guys to do it. And now you've got a fan base and an organization that's unwilling to cut ties because of their history together. You know, they they were put in a bad spot, but they took jobs, and they both have big enough egos where they thought they could just Kool-Aid man their way through the wall and be like, yeah, we're great again. No, no, you're not. No, obviously not. Obviously no. not. Anyways, we we need to get up. We need to get up off this topic. So, um, <laughs> two signings. Well, two signings. One's a PTO, but based on these two signings, they both have history to Arizona, and because of that, I am uh, looking forward to talking about them whenever we pot about. The Coyotes, but you know, we talked about how they we previously talked about how they let Antoine Vermette go uh to open up a spot for a young player, but I remember listening back to that pod and I made a point about how they've done a good job shedding salary over the past few years and at the same time augmenting the roster with, with veterans, you know, like last year with the Tangay, like cheap guys that can help the roster out. And so they shed Vermette, who had a three point seven five cap hit. Uh, for this year and the the next year, and yeah, Vermette signs in Anaheim, but then they turn around and sign Verbata, Radom Verbata, to a one year deal for one million. So you just you just basically you you traded you Vermette for Verbata in like two point seven five in cap space, which is crazy because you know given the underlying numbers, I know Verbata had a. A, a kind of a bad year last year. I understand that, but his first year with the Canucks, I mean, my man had 63 points in 79 games. I mean, he's still he's still a great offensive player and anybody can argue the Canucks were just a shit team last year. And to come back to an organization he's comfortable with on a 1 million dollar deal, they get the cap savings compared to the Vermette deal. I mean, giant upgrade. Well, I do like um I do like Verbata back in Phoenix. You know, it's his third stint in the desert. Uh, the one thing about his contract is it does have bonuses up to $3 million per year. 
And, which three three million? He was making five with Vancouver over the past two years. Uh, yeah, per which year. is which is fine. And then they're paying they're paying um, just over a million per year over the next two seasons in uh, in buyout cap space for for Anton Vermette. So I mean, it could That's end up costing more. him a little bit more if Verbata hits uh, to all of his bonuses. But I believe some of them do you know, require the team to get into the postseason, which isn't likely. Um, Not otherwise, division. it's, you know, games played, goals scored, and, and things like that. But, you know, last season, his 13 goals compared to his previous season of 31, like the, the big difference is his season, his first season with the Canucks, he was primarily on a line with Sedin Twins, you know. And last year, he played with Bo Horvat and Sven Barchi, and he logged 300 less five-on-five minutes last year. So, you know, he didn't really have an opportunity to, to score at the same rate. And, you know, nope. I mean, Verbata, his ceiling isn't tremendously high. Um, what I really like about it, though, is that he, he is a second-line winger. Like, he exactly. can fill top six minutes, and he's an immediate replacement for Michael Bodker. You know, they lost yep. him, and they can plug in Verbata wherever Bodker played, whether it be on the power play or at even strength on the second, second line. You, you could argue produce. he's got more skill. Yeah, yeah, maybe not quite, you know, fly to foot, but he definitely has the hands. What do you think about um, Anton Vermette signing in, in Anaheim? Well, basically what you're doing, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I don't, I don't want to say surprised. I mean, because he, he did take a $2 million per year haircut uh, based on paycheck. I mean, he's still getting, you know, buyout money from the Coyotes, so he's pretty much going to make the same salary. But to get around $2 million, I wasn't surprised at the money, but... I thought he was going to be on Verbata terms. I mean, if you look at the underlying numbers, I mean, Vermette is not a, is not anywhere close to a top six player anymore. You yeah. know, that that does not mean he's not useful. We had this conversation when he was released. We talked about all of his finer points, and we can bring some of them up. But he's not a top six player, not even fucking close anymore. Uh, so to so to give a guy like Verbata, who's like pretty closely removed from a near seventy point season. $1 million on a, a, a struggling and rebuilding team, which John Chaka is doing a tremendous job. And that Verbata signing and getting both of these signings, getting rid of Vermette and bringing in Verbata, A-plus to John Chaka. That man, for being 26 years old, that's ridiculous. Or 27, whatever he is, he's getting it in. Uh, yeah, it but, was either 3.75 for a fourth-line player or, you know, a million dollars for a second-line winger. But as low as one for a second-line winger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... um. For Anaheim, the, the the weird the weird caveat is I do I actually do like the deal for Anaheim because uh, Horkoff was suspended for PED use, wasn't it PED use? Yeah, yeah. it was P, He was suspended for PED use, and they they had him penciled in as a fourth line center because they have um, Getzlaff, they have Kessler, and then they have Ricard Raquel, and he, we all know anybody who watches enough hockey, we know Ricard Raquel's coming. That dude's nasty. Um, not necessarily offensively, but just a good player. Um, what they expected from, from Horkoff was to play a penalty killing role, play, you know, bottom six, specifically, you know, fourth line center minutes and Vermette can do that. Vermette's great on the draw. He's a very fast skater, defensive acumen. He plays hard and that fits right in. And, uh, you know, I said it before, but you get, you know, Getzlaff, Ketzler, Raquel, Vermette. That's solid, man. I mean, even when they had Horkoff, it was seen as, you know, pretty decent to have him there, but Vermette's a giant upgrade. So, I mean, for a team like Arizona to not think they need him and bring in young talent, it's a, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure because at less than two mil a year, I mean, that, that works out for Anaheim. I just, you know, if you look at Vermette's underlying numbers over the past three seasons, uh, you'll see it. I've, I've compared them and, he has definitely taken, I wouldn't say a sharp decline, but a very gradual and consistent decline in in his advanced numbers. So you yeah. hope that you you hope that by signing him to a two year deal, that doesn't get too far shitty on that second deal or second year of the deal. I just can't help but think, you know, when we started, you know, adopting these teams and talking about them at great length, we started with Anaheim, and one of the main. Yep points to that whole discussion was how much Anaheim needed to improve their top six. They needed a scoring winger. 
more than anything else, especially on the left side. Down the middle, yeah, Horcroft was a loss. The, the big factor here, he's a replacement for Nate Thompson, who's out until the trade deadline at least with uh, that Achilles injury he suffered. He's yep. he's a quality fourth-line center in his own right. Vermette, Absolutely. I don't really think he brings a whole lot to the table in Anaheim. You know, I, I like Vermette, uh, but Anaheim struggled with scoring, and their shooting percentage is way down, and Vermette doesn't really bring anything in terms of, of offense, especially if he's playing down in that bottom six, likely on the fourth line if Randy Carlisle decides to spread out Getzloff uh, and, and Perry and, you know, hook, hook Perry and Raquel up together like he like he did last season or like or like Bruce Boudreau did last season uh you know Kessler on that third pairing is is great you know he can shut it down I just don't know man two years 1.75 there's a new no movement clause that ends uh June 16th and then there's a no trade clause that becomes modified after the NMC expires but yeah that that calling card of you know, face-off ability. Like we said, we won't get into all of it, but over the last three seasons, he ranks 11th in face-off win percentage. So he does bring that, and I guess the loss of Nate Thompson does justify it. But, hey, man, they still have to sign Ricard Raquel, and they still have to sign Hampus Lindholm. And they're working with that internal budget that doesn't really allow them the flexibility to sign guys that they don't need to nearly $2 million over, you know, over a single season and then lock them up for two, nonetheless. I just don't think it was the right signing um, the guy that i think they should have gotten actually was was the guy that i want to talk about next talk about left wing talk about top six scores jimmy vc <laughs> if he would be willing to you know get the itch to go over to california opposed to stay in the northeast yeah that would be wonderful what's going on man what do you think about jimmy vc there's a lot of teams interested of course there's probably 29 other teams besides Buffalo that are interested right now. Um, he's got this week to decide. It's starting starting now. Today's Tuesday. He's going to have his mind made up by Friday, or so says his agent. Uh, well, his his agent said he wouldn't sign before Friday, so I, I think a, a weekend signing would be imminent, like a Saturday, not a Friday. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's funny how the whole of the NHL stops – and holds their breath to see what VC does. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, man. Hobie Baker winner. He's a big frame kid. He's got scoring touch. He's got the potential to play in the top six almost immediately uh, from what various sources are saying. A couple of my favorite quotes today on Twitter. One came from Keeping Carlson, which is a really great fantasy hockey podcast. Uh, they said, we have reached peak VC." And basically they're stating that we will care no more about Jimmy Vesey than what we do right now going forward. Quite possible. <laughs> it's quite possible. Quite possible. And then Stephen Birch, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, I've mentioned him a couple times on the podcast. He made a pretty concise statement saying that teams are going to pay more for an unknown player that isn't all that young. He is 23 years old when they could just go out and sign a guy like Yuri Hudler, who is proven at the NHL level. Uh you can so, continue. Yeah, no, that was that was basically it. And I mean, he's got a point. I mean, VC does have a high ceiling. I, he is, you know, he is young, but twenty three isn't nineteen. And no, you know, VC's setting himself up, man. That's the thing is VC's really setting himself up for a lot of pressure on himself because it's kind of like that. It's become this, and I like that too. And I will say, on a side note, you know, we talked about Patrick Wall and his personality. Hockey lacks personality, and these players, like when you just look into baseball, for example, so many guys go out of their way to to bolster themselves. You know, they're their own enterprise. If you really break it down, they need to especially invest in the themselves. NFL. Yeah, the NFL. I mean, any any other major sport, it seems these guys seem to lack character, and they seem to lack, you know, getting themselves out there and getting themselves on the on the front page of the paper or you know your top headline on nhl.com or tsn.ca like i have no problem with what vc's doing and i think more players should have a say in where they go especially at the start of their career especially when they're limited in terms of what they can make 
the draft, yeah. I mean, it's a it's another conversation. I wouldn't mind having a podcast about it. But when you really, really yeah. analyze it, the draft is kind of silly, you know, and it forces these kids it really is. into these situations where, you know, it might not be the best for their development. It might just not be where they want to be. Look at Connor McDavid. You know, I mean, he's got the opportunity to rebuild a, a franchise and, and make it his own. But do we know for certain that that's necessarily what he would want or what's no. best for his career? I mean, how many cups could no. he potentially have if he had just gone straight to a Pittsburgh? You know, but with VC, I got- for him to take his time, it's fine. That's why I'm interested in it more than anything else. Is it's just a player that's going to go on his terms where he wants. And I, I like that. Now, I like that too, but I kind of want to rewind back to your Stephen Birch point um, where you say that teams are going to pay pay him a bunch of money, but they could sign a guy like Hudler. But the thing is, that he can only earn a max entry-level deal. So no deal can be different than the other. I mean, every team that's going after him is going to offer him a max deal that they but, can. And then but you the, say, caveat, but wh- the caveat's bonuses. He, he can yeah, but that's all. To- that's all. Ca- that's all capped off at a certain point. Like the dude can't earn ten million dollars. Well, no, but neither can Yuri Hudler at this point. If you look at how, yeah, long but you got you got a young Yuri- guy to build with. Yeah, and that's 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 all fine and good. It depends on the team that signs it. That's the thing. You know, if it's a team that needs to add, you know, a scoring winger, you're looking at paying uh, Yuri Hudler at this point. I mean, do you see him fetching more than two and a half? He should. He should, but it's taken this long. Uh, Yuri Yuri Hoodler, but we don't know the reason for that. Yeah, no. If I, I'm if I'm being fair, we don't we don't know the reason for that. Like he could just be waiting for the right team, or he, you know, maybe he just doesn't feel like signing right now. Who who knows? Because based on his performance, like in Calgary, like we talked about, Bob Hartley overachieving in the in the coaching realm with Calgary, like Hoodler was a big part of that. Like Hoodler carried Mana, and I don't want to say carried, but he really helped out those young kids, and he played really phenomenal with them. And I would think that that's really attractive to any franchise. Like, oh, I've got a couple young guys in my top six. You know, sign Yuri Hoodler. He's like a three and a half, three seven five, maybe even four two five player in my mind. That's my opinion. He, he is can in my earn mind that much too. money, and it wouldn't be an overpayment. No, it wouldn't be. But you just wonder if, I mean, you see so many guys lately get tagged. You know, they hit 30 years old and it's, you know, it's like, well, you might as well go kill yourself. You know, <laughs> the the opinion has changed drastically on these guys once they're on the wrong side of 30 and they've got anything questionable in, in their resume. Hudler, it's his shooting percentage. He's always shot at a high shooting percentage. And, you know, last season wasn't his greatest with Calgary. But, I mean, come on. I mean, you know what you get with Terry Hudler. And I think that was Stephen Birch's point is you, you know what you get out of this guy. And when he does sign, it should be, you know, more in the range of what you're talking about. But it's probably going to be on short term. And we're seeing more and more players leave the NHL earlier. Look at look at Chris Versteeg. He's set to, to lead the league wherever he's gone. I, I can't recall. but uh, He went to Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. So – I just I'd hate to see Yuri be become one of those players that teams are afraid to to pay, uh, but I don't think anyone's going to commit to him, you know, long term. And that might be the hang up in itself is Yuri might be looking for that last big long term contract, and no one's willing to give it to him. No, the mo- the most he's probably going the most teams are probably offering him as a two year deal. There's probably a handful, maybe small handful of teams like uh teams that are really looking looking to to build something like a New Jersey, a Carolina, but most contending teams or a team that could really use him to put him over the hump. 2 years at best. I mean that's that's what he's getting offered. I guarantee yeah. that. Well, 2 years is the most that VZ can get. He can earn anywhere between 925 the the base salary cap hit with bonuses up to 3.775 million AAV and that if he hits those bonuses it just you know trickles into the next year, and you get that overage, um, which does make it interesting for some of these teams. I guess the first point that we should start at is Buffalo owns his rights. Tim Murray did trade a third round pick for him. He is kind of banking on you know the most recent Hobie Baker winner in VC, which should have been Kyle Connor. 
playing alongside Jack Eichel. <laughs> another <laughs> nice slip in. <laughs> another Hobie Baker winner. Uh, why not just stay in Buffalo? He should he should stay in Buffalo. That's that's the right move, and and it's not even only for the situation, but um, Detroit was able to contact his agent or talk to him. I don't know if it was a face to face or a phone or conference call, but um, Detroit representatives, as far as I know, it was the Detroit assistant general manager that handled it. VC's camp uh, responded with, "He wants to play close to home," and honestly. You basically just eliminated two thirds of the NHL because because Detroit. I get that the Detroit was in the Western Conference for a long time and they're seen as a central line. But if you look at a map of the United States, I mean, if you're eliminating Detroit as a possibility because of location, you're basically like pinning yourself to New England and maybe a couple teams underneath, <laughs> like around the New York area. You know what I mean? Like, so I mean that's good. It's good news that that came out because now we know like that's his scope. He wants to play within the realm geographically of Boston, and that's nothing wrong with that. He's from Boston. Well, so wait, wait, wait. The, the the other thing that that made it difficult to say yes to Detroit was the, the fact that he met Pittsburgh on the same day. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, you meet you meet a cup contender and. You're a fucking idiot if you didn't sign. Like, if I was VC and I met with Pittsburgh and they're like, yeah, we got Sheary and Rust and we got all these young kids and, you know, like, it's, you know, you should just come here. Like, if I was VC, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I might have just signed. I, I might have just signed. <laughs> you could be the next player that Sidney Crosby can't play with. His heart's in Boston, but Boston, you know, <laughs> Peter Shirelli's made some bad trades and, like, I was kind of glad to see Shirelli go. I was hoping that, like, to bring in a different general manager, they'd get a, a fresh start. Uh, not, not, not necessarily a fresh start, but, you know, just a change of perspective and, and, and build the team a different way because for the longest while when the Bruins won the Cup, everybody wanted to build their team like Boston. But it's not realistic. You know, not everybody can have a Milan Lucic. There's only one Milan Lucic in the NHL. And he's going to be protecting Connor McDavid next year. But um, Don Sweeney has not done a, a good job to this point. <laughs> so if I if I were VC in his camp, I would not go to Boston. I understand that you're from Boston and you, and you want to play in the Garden, but uh, Don Sweeney would give me cause to pause, as a lot of sports people say, giant cause to pause. Well, the the and, word is that that the VC camps already said no, like Boston's off the list. And that, that really, I haven't, I haven't heard that. Really? Yeah, I that's that's what I read. And I mean, who who really really knows? But uh, the word on the street is is that Boston's been nixed. And the thing is, though, man, For it good does reason. make sense from a roster perspective. Maybe not from a management perspective, and maybe not for the amount of pressure that that kid would ha- sustain being in his hometown, um, or the, the magnifying glass put on him, so to speak. But. I think he could easily take Matt Bolesky's spot on the second line uh, on the left side next to David Krejci. And at worst, what about Erickson's? What about Erickson's spot? Yeah, I mean it's it's his off wing. I mean they could they could very easily keep their their top line intact uh, right now with Brad Marchand and uh, Patrice Bergeron alongside. I, dude, I wasn't trying to say like Louis Erickson's exact spot. I mean, like you know, Louis Erickson played in the top six. Like you're just—that's yeah. all I was saying. No, I know. I know. They didn't need yeah. that. Need that didn't need to go that deep. I know. I know. And uh, they've got David Pasternak as well, who I think they they really want to give a lot of offensive minutes to, and they should. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, he could easily get into that top six in Boston. But like you said, I I could see why you wouldn't want to go there, and then. I mean, if you're looking at centers to play with, like Krejci's great, but uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel aren't bad either in in Buffalo. So, you know, (laughs) it's a pretty easy decision between the two. Obviously, you should have stayed with with Nashville, though, right? I mean, let's circle back around to that because that's where he refused to play. I know that, you know, geographically, it's not where he wants to be. But after Poyle's bold moves, especially adding PK, like, how could you say no to that? It's it's not even what they've done this off season. They were a strong contender at the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and man, if they would have had him, I'm not going to say you can't you can't take a college, uh, essentially free agent and say that's going to put you over the top for a Stanley Cup uh, championship. But they could have used him. He would have got they, they they offered him immediate top six time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
and they made it to the second round. I mean, why wouldn't that be attractive? With a fan base that great, I mean, I, I mean, I, the only thing he's probably considering is it's not close to Boston, and I have to stay there for two years. Yeah, but you know what? It's a really good fucking team. <laughs> it's a really good team. I mean, you couldn't there there wasn't any foreshadowing or like you couldn't uh, predict that they'd trade for PK Subban, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a great situation for him. And it's not even that he didn't go there. It's it's the whole thing that like according to David Poyle, who said it publicly. Him and he talked to VC personally and his agent, and they they told him that he was going to sign there. They promised him that he was going to sign there and play in the playoffs. Like that was, they gave him the word, and Poyle has stuck by that story. He has not apologized or said he was confused. He has stuck by that story, and VC's camp denies it. But I, I'm more inclined inclined to believe David Poyle. Yeah, and I mean they're therein lies the risk of dealing with these young kids in his particular position, you know, in in the NCAA, that's a risk that you, you know, it's like drafting a Russian, a young Russian player that seems embedded in, in his hometown in the KHL. I mean, there's risk there and you have to understand that. I do feel bad for Poyle because I, I believe, I don't think I'm wrong on this. I believe the Nashville Predators have been the the most successful expansion organization in the history of the NHL. And you look at you look at teams Not like surprising. Capitals, their first season back, uh, and I mean that in terms of, of win percentage, um, but their their first season into the league, I think, drew like eight wins. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's brutal. And Boyle's been the guy from the start in Nashville, and it's really impressive what he's done. And that would be enough to sway me if I was Jimmy Vesey, but obviously it's location. Um Another team that he's met with in person uh, would have been the Chicago Blackhawks. And I personally, and you might be surprised at this, but believe it or not, like this is my personal number one choice spot for VC to land. Because ah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll listen. I'll listen. I'll listen. Outside of your Anisimov, Kane, and Panarin line, they're completely devoid of offense. They don't have it. Marion Hosa has dropped off a cliff in terms of his offensive production. I do love Marion Hosa, and I do think he's still effective. But I think they would love to get Hosa down into a into a defensive role and then bring him up on the power play from time to time. Nick Schmaltz is set to join the team, but he's not uh, he's not comparable to, to Teravainen in terms of his ceiling. And that top left wing spot is available right now. For Jimmy VC. The only issue well, with Chicago. Okay. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is it, it depends on what VC's looking for. Is he looking for long-term stability or is he looking for an RFA home? Is he looking for a place to play for a couple years, embed himself with the RFA status and like be able to go to arbitration or, you know, whatever. In Chicago, they have shown a propensity that if you become a star there and you want more money than they want to give you, They'll get rid of you. The only reason why it's my number one choice, and obviously I think Nashville and Buffalo would be real obvious choices considering those are two teams that he could have played for, no problem. But if he's not going to play for those two teams, Chicago does give him the opportunity to really showcase his talent, play on a top line with little to no competition, and play with some of the league's best players. The only issue is how they handle him at the end of it. Chicago's going to have to make some big changes down the road, or they're just going to have to keep cycling through these young players, and that's probably enough to sway VC. The other thing is that Chicago can't afford the bonuses, so they're out, in my opinion. I don't think the Hawks. Oh, yeah, are going Pan- to- Panarin's bonuses have fucked them. Yeah, well, you know, everyone says Stu Bickle's contract did, but in my opinion, you mean Brian Bickle? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that Bickle. Uh, my opinion, oh that it's, Bickle. It's Brent Seabrook that did it. You know, I mean, there's there's been too many bad contracts, and they've been living by the fact that Duncan Keith and Marion Hosa are on the cheap. They won't always be, and you know, guaranteed one of those guys is gone at the end of their contract. So, I mean, maybe that opens up an opportunity for for some more money for some of these young kids. But right now, either Schmaltz or Panic are going to get top line minutes, no doubt about it. So that's a if if that's what VC wants, if he wants top top six minutes. 
along solidified talent, that's a good spot for him. Uh, I don't like the Rangers. I don't think that's going to happen. They don't have centers. Yeah. No, and they, they just dealt one. <laughs> they got Stepan. They got Stepan and Zabinajad, but Stepan and Zabinajad are arguably like second and third line centers. They're not number one centers. Yeah, and just on that left side, you've got Nash and Kreider. Like, unless Nash gets traded, there's no way VC's going to push one of those two guys out of the top six, at least on a regular basis. Zuccarello's a left winger too. Um, but, but that's the thing is we don't know about VC. Maybe he's a switch hitter. There's plenty of guys in the league that can play left and right wing. Yeah, and I'm sure he would if someone gave him the max bonuses. But rain, the Rangers are not a great situation for him either. There's not. If if you're a guy coming out of college, you're trying to set yourself up, you want to play with a good center. And that's another uh, detriment to your Chicago argument is that besides Jonathan Taves, they don't really have any centers. I get that Anisimov's all right, but... I want to go to a team that has two or three good centers. So if there's an injury or reshuffling or whatever have you, I'm going to play with a good center Iceman. Because if you have a shit center Iceman, I mean, what what do you got? You can't do everything off the wall. Buffalo is a good spot because of O'Reilly, Eichel, and then Sam Reinhart is actually a center by nature. I think the Islanders would be a really good fit for him. And I've heard that from somewhere else. Uh, Patrick Sol- Patrick O'Sullivan, ex-NHL player, said that on Twitter, and I, I was totally down for that. It's like, dude, Ocposo just went to Buffalo. <laughs> so you there, there's a, they didn't fill that spot. They didn't sign somebody to fill Ocposo's spot. And, dude, the way Ocposo's played the last year and a half, that's a pretty big spot to fill. And yeah. you want the opportunity. You want to play with John Tavares. And even if not, uh, by all accounts, it's it said that Ryan Strom is ready to take that next step. So, and, and so was Josh Hosang. Like, you might be able, and Josh Hosang, if you've never watched him play, go on YouTube, watch Josh Hosang. That yeah, dude he's an is unreal. He's an electric player, and, he, and he's probably going to make the team this year because of Ocposo being gone. So, if you're VC, you can play with Ryan Strom, Josh Hosang, and John Tavares, and an organization that, as much as Charles Wong and Gar Snow have gotten shit, I really do respect what Gar Snow's done over the past three years. I think he's done a good job managing that team. No, I think so, too. You know, we're talking about goalies not being that successful on the bench, but he's been a, a pretty successful GM. He hasn't always made the best decisions, but it seems like every time he does make a move, he's he's really making an effort to better that team. I agree with you, man. I I do like the prospect of VC going in and, and playing along, you know, John Tavares. I mean, who doesn't? He will have some competition in youth, like Joshua Ho saying, uh, Matthew Del Col, um, as well as you know Brock Nelson and Ryan Strom, they've got you know a smattering of young players that are ready to go, and they're all top six type players. You know, yeah, but a lot of those guys are switch hitters. Don't don't forget that Strom can play center and wing, so can Brock Nelson. Yeah, they, well, they did it all year last season. Yeah, they they can play both spots. It's it's not a one and done thing. Yeah, it would be cool. I would definitely be up for that. And I think it makes a lot more sense than the Rangers. It makes a lot more sense than a lot of teams. I think, I think it's, it's a top five option. If I'm VC's agent, I think the Islanders are a top five option. I guess if you're VC, you're, you're weighing, you know, the odds of John Tavares going to Toronto in a couple of years time. <laughs> nah, John, John Tavares has already came out in the past week and said, I don't want to go anywhere. Like that dude keeps his cards to his vest and he means what he says. And like he said, I don't want to play for anybody else. And I, I believe him. I don't think I think John Tavares will play for the Islanders for the rest of his career, unless there's some create unless he has some long term deal where there's no trade protection and they deal him or he gets picked up in an expansion or something. But on his own volition and choice, I don't think he'll play for another team. Yeah, Toronto and New Jersey are the other two teams that are apparently on their their list. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity in New Jersey. <laughs> there is, but I mean, too too bad he doesn't play center. Yeah, Hall and Camilleri <laughs> are locked in on the left side, like you know, top top two lines. Then you got Paul Mary. You've got Paul Mary as well. The one good thing about New Jersey is they've got a lot of cap space, you know, and they do have a lot of good young players. And and arguably like uh, one of the top two goaltenders in the NHL easily. easily. <laughs> what do you think about Toronto then? Toronto, I mean, his dad's a scout, and and his brother is in the organization at a very low depth level. There's just a lot of hype around to, uh, Toronto. I mean, if he, if he wants to like do the whole thing with his family, be in the same organization as his brother and, you know, his dad's part of their part of the team too. I mean, I, I could see why you'd want to do it. And I mean, 
<laughs> Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, all those guys are going to make the team. Dude, I'm so excited to watch them play this year. And I'm not a salty Red Wings fan. It was time for Mike Babcock to go. As a Red Wings fan, it was time for him to go. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't I don't watch – and I, I follow a lot of Red Wings fans on Twitter, and I've heard so much shit talk about Babcock, and I'm not one of those people. It's like, you know – he took the money. It's fine. And he wanted the, he wanted the challenge and it was time for him to go. He's here for 10 years. A great coach to play for. You know, he's he doesn't try to dick people and he wants to put people in a position for success and he 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 thinks the game the right way. And they're going to have all those young players and I'm so excited to watch them play. I just don't see how VC fits. Uh, yeah, that's the that's that's the thing with Toronto for me is the fact that you've just got you've got too much of the same thing. A lot of, you know, high ceiling young players trying to make, you know, the team and make their name and, and earn yep. a contract long term. And sometimes you can have too much of a good thing. And if you've got too many young players with the same goal, you know, they all want to play in the top six. They all want to play with Matthews or Nylander. Sometimes, you know, it can crowd things out and, and you've got these young kids kind of all over the place. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's the team. I could see it happening, especially with the family uh, being considered there. But, yeah, for me, the Islanders are definitely top three, you know, beyond Buffalo and, and Toronto. The Islanders make a lot of sense. Buffalo or Toronto, dude, and, and if, I, if I'm answering your question honestly and you're asking me what team do I want to see him go to, I think he should stay in Buffalo. You know, the other thing that, that bodes well for Buffalo is Tim Murray's you know, willingness to, to pay players. I mean, you look at the contracts that yeah. signed, there is a lot of, you know, questioning Kyle Ocposo's contract. If VC's looking forward to the future and looking at that second and third deal, you know, Tim Murray is, is not, They're not cheap. It will be interesting. I'm, I'm actually, I'm glad for this. I've heard a lot of complacency about there being a lack of happenings in this off season. Um, but there's been enough to keep my attention for sure. And, you know, this VC thing, I wish, I do wish this kind of thing happened more often. It was cool when, you know, Justin Schultz was coming in and, you know, which team is he going to pick? Is he going to go to Anaheim? You know, he ends up going to Edmonton. Not and he made the choice. wrong move. He did, but he's got a cup now. Uh, <laughs> Dan DeKaiser. Not by his own you know, volition. DeKaiser picked uh, Detroit, and he, he got paid Thank for Thank God. It. So while we're on defensemen, uh, right shot defensemen that we both agreed Detroit could use in particular, James Wisniewski. Wiz. Wiz gets a PTO with the Lightning. Uh, that sounds like a Cracker Jack prize. Yeah. <laughs> we just spoke of the PTO. We, we just talked about the Lightning and their need for defensive depth. Um, with the signing of RFA Vlad Nemestikov, it put Nestrov on the, on the block, or at least out the door anyways. And 32-year-old James Wisniewski might be that depth defenseman. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play with the Lightning, but it would be, you know, a somewhat heavyweight addition to their defensive depth, wouldn't you think? For James Wisniewski to take a PTO with uh, Tampa Bay, PTO must have meant he got pretty terrible offers. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's, it's late. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's late. Sorry about that. Um he didn't play last year. He got, what was it, like 47 seconds into his career with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes who traded for his atrocious contract, and he was gone. The good news, if I'm looking correctly, in 2014, uh, he, he, he was, his uh, points per 60 was in the upper echelon of the NHL, and so was his individual production, which is primary points per 60. Um, his productive possession, uh, possession and shot generation were in the up echelon of the NHL. They were, they were in the top like 20% and shot suppression within the middling pack. Like he's a good player. He's a good possession player and he's, he's good. He was good. And then the injuries came in. We talked about, like you just said, we talked plenty of times where like the Red Wings should take a flyer. They need to rebuild this defense. They need a guy that can do it. And like, you're not talking about Chris Russell where his underlying numbers are just not good. Wisniewski's underlying numbers from his last full season are very impressive. Like he can well, throughout play. Throughout his whole career, he's been a positive possession player. Exactly, and my point being is he can play and he can score and he can drive possession. I like the move for Tampa Bay. I really do because they just got rid of Matt Carl, who's aging and aging out. And we said, yo, it's a good depth thing for Nashville to pick him up, but he, you know, overstayed his welcome in Tampa Bay. 
this is a great replacement because he's younger and arguably way better numbers over the past five years. It saddens me that he took a PTO. I really thought someone would have given him like a $2 million deal or like 1.5. Like I didn't, I didn't even think he'd have to take the Sam Gagne deal. You know, (laughs) I really didn't. I thought someone would give him like $2 million. I really did. I'm kind of scratching my head at that, but it's funny. It's funny that he's been relegated to just a, a depth player you know when you read articles about it they're talking about him being a, a perfect seventh defenseman it's just like man what happened like we said he's a good possession player he's aggressive he's not afraid to mix it up i mean he does make his mistakes because of his i guess short temper and, and aggressiveness i think what it is what it boils down to is he just you can count on him getting injured over his nhl career he averages just 50 games played, you know, and I mean, that's yeah, 61%. I know. I'm looking at that right now. 61% of the games that he's made it, you know, on the ice for, and that's the problem. I mean, last season did, did spike those percentages a lot. You can count on him getting hurt. So if they can get him on the cheap or anyone for that matter, can get him on the cheap uh, and pencil him in as your, you know, six, seven, you don't necessarily need him to play 82 games. And that's, that's where it works. But I guess that's why he didn't get that contract. Uh, He'd be a good presence on the second power play unit. And I think he could definitely take some minutes away from Matt Taramina and, you know, show Andres Schuster how to use that giant frame of his a little more effectively. Um, So hopefully it works. But once again, that's a little more money that you're taking away from uh, signing Kucherov, so <laughs> we'll be waiting to see. I don't know what the deadline to have Kucherov signed by is, but maybe Wisniewski can, can play in some uh, preseason games, or maybe even, even if not, but just having him on PTO status gives them more time to figure out Kucherov. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't just outright sign him to, you know, $1.25 million and then just take that off of right. Kucherov's yeah. ceiling. So, you know, smart move by Tampa Bay. PTO. Doesn't cost you anything right now. Yeah. No, I, I hope he's in the league next season. I think he will be after uh, after his PTO. So, we'll see. We'll know uh, perhaps by the next time we podcast what's happening with, with VC. Perhaps not. Um, but I'll, I'll be... I'll be paying paying close attention to it, and I'll be real interested to see who the Abs bring in to replace Patrick Waugh. I don't think they're going to have to reach too far to find a, a good replacement. No, coach for the, for that. No, team. they'll find somebody. Hey, uh, one last thing we uh, we talked about it actually towards the end of our last podcast, but it, it didn't didn't make the final cut. Uh, World Cup's coming up. I've been eyeballing those jerseys, man, hardcore. What do you think? Like, do you think you're going to pick up a jersey, one of those young guns jerseys, or what? I actually, I love, I dude, I love all the jerseys. Like, a lot of people are talking shit about how Team Europe is, you know, a big melting pot or melting pot of like all these players. Dude, those jerseys are pretty fucking slick. Like, and a lot of people bitched about the fact that Adidas is starting to get, uh, you know, NHL sponsored jersey rights. I like that. I like it. I like the stripes. Like the people, oh, they're going to be stripes on every jersey. It's like, dude, that shit is clean. Like every one of those jerseys is really clean. I don't have a point of contention with any one of those jerseys. Like, have I? I've watched a lot of international hockey. Do I like other jerseys better that a team might have used? I do, but I like all of them, man. Like every jersey looks really good and. That North America jersey, I love that it's all black with like neon orange. It reminds you of some pirate shit. Like we're we're people that you're not thinking about. We're coming to take over your ship and steal your booty. You know that that's 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 what it reminds me of. Like the color, the colors and the scheme, like did it perfectly. The only thing I don't like is the lettering on the Canadian jersey and on the. Uh, I might there might be the lettering for all of them. The last name lettering, it's kind of got that alarm clock feel like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers football jerseys. Uh, I'm not I'm yeah, not, I'm not yeah. down with the rounded edges of the uh, corners. I, I, uh, I that kind of rubs me the wrong way, but I'll get over it. But as far as the design of the jersey itself, I like all of them. I think they all look sweet. And especially when you get the light blue like the Europe and the Finland and the Sweden, like those jerseys turned out really well. I'm actually I'm pretty pleased. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Um, they're not all my favorites, you know. I, I like the I tend to like the more classic 
looks like your original six. Yeah, me too. Sweaters, but that's not what this is about. No, it's not. You know, it's 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 about being different. It's about trying different things out. It's got to make a name for itself, and I think it will. I think it'll be a success. I can't wait to talk about it while it's happening. You know, I, I don't know if we'll you know break down all these rosters and things like that. No, no need to do that. that. Kind of time, but but to cover the games, or just to, just to talk about them in general and to see it unfold, it's exciting. You know, it's the first. I mean, you know, we've been watching hockey our whole lives, and to see the beginning of something is is pretty special. And and you know, with this with this North America team, you're seeing a lot of you know the league's future stars competing on that team for the first time and the only time that they will throughout the duration of this tournament, however long it lasts. And um, for that reason, I think there's you know obviously a lot of people pulling for that team. The Why underdogs, wouldn't you? The young kids. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason, you know, not to. Um, you got nothing to if lose. I can fork out the dough, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to roll up one of those jerseys and I'm my ball and uh You gonna you gonna get a Dylan Larkin one? I would love to get a Dylan Larkin one, but I, I do think that eventually I'll have a Larkin wings jersey in my arsenal. Uh so for that reason I'd probably go Connor McDavid because listen here kids, McDavid's only got one season to play on that team. Buy that jersey. And if you're really not feeling it in, in, in a handful of years, just put it online and, and sell it. It's gonna, it's gonna, you know, give you enough return to buy a handful of jerseys. I think. Oh, if you if you <laughs> want to go down that route, you can. Um, if you want to go by who their best player is gonna be, and like I said, I'm not biting another podcast. I'll give them credit. I I, I listened to the Hockey Today podcast, and uh, they said clearing away that Aaron Ekblad's gonna be the star for that team. I don't disagree. Yeah, that would be a that'd be. A good I don't disagree that Aaron Ekblad is probably going to be the most important player on that team. He's going to be the numero uno anchor of that defense. Well, why not just get one of those new Panthers jerseys you love, Aaron Ekblad? Fuck you! I hate those jerseys. <laughs> and that's not the point. We were talking about the World Cup. What are you? What are you doing here? What are you doing? Um, quick note. Uh, I just read it before the podcast. The Senators are going to retire Alfredson's number. We're not going to talk about it. Just obviously, it it, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. But yep, they're officially going to do that this year. I don't think there's anything else to talk about, unless you got something else. Oh, hey, real quick, this is something I was wondering earlier. Uh, while while we were podcasting, we were talking about BC and the uh, the bonus structure. And that being, you know, potentially something that he looks at and something that I wasn't completely sure on. So I te- I uh, tweeted Tom from General Fanager and I asked him about Jack Eichel. It's a former Hobie Baker winner, plays on Buffalo uh, and the, the bonuses and, you know, because he signed to the max bonuses, of course. And uh, Tom just got back to me now and he says, I have Eichel as hitting three. Schedule A bonuses, that's ice time, goals, and all-rookie team, totaling 637500 earned of $2.85 million in bonuses. So, um, if VC performs to Eichel level in his rookie season, you're looking at, you know, over a half million dollars earned in potential overages, which isn't too bad. You know, it's it's not too bad. And I'm not sure VC is going to hit at the Eichel clip because Eichel did look pretty ridiculous last season. Yep, I think that pretty much covers it for today. Uh, we're gonna try to, you know, keep up the pace. We've been doing pretty good since I got back from vacation, and you know, provided the league keeps giving us things to talk about, uh, we'll keep podcasting. One thing that we forget to say every single time: you can find us on Twitter at No Pucks Pod. I'm a little more active on my personal Twitter account. That's at Kendall Grubbs. Uh, Contact us on Twitter. We do have an email set up. If you want to touch base with us there, just tweet us. We're going to try to start taking some questions and get a little more involved. With We'd love to. Uh, we got a couple exciting things to, to talk about in the near future that will break on an upcoming podcast that I think is really going to you know give us a boost uh, in, in terms of our involvement with you guys and you know just our general scope and, and what we're trying to accomplish. But we'll save it for another day. Um, we've got plenty of podcasts to yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, dbird34. I just switched that. I had another Twitter handle. I made it different. I don't know why. Just did it. dbird34. I think that does it for today. 
Good talking to you, Dustin. Yep, you too, man. Peace, everybody.